HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Lou Blank. And I'm Linda Sullivan of Sena Secreto. And this is Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps green gags bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, rural Mexico, and beer. Yes, beer as well. Well, not really. We oh, almost well, never talk, but today we'll talk about <laughs> beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are we talking about beer today? Because there's big beer news out in the world. Yeah, it's kind of old beer news by the time this is actually going to see print, I think. If you live under a rock like me, it's new beer news. There you go. (laughs) Okay, so this thing happened, right? The thing is, this is so funny. The thing is Bud Light. Well, it's not funny, but it's funny. Bud Light, right, had this whole uh, promotion uh, tied to Pride Month that, that ended up backfiring on them, as I understand it. You know, I'm like twice removed from this. But as I understand it, you had a bunch of people who are anti-trans who boycotted, right? Bud Light, look at you just shaking your head. You don't, you can't even verbalize your anger over this. I just did. Uh, I get it. I, I get it. I, 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 that's what right. I have to say. <laughs> but I think there was also a whole thing where then Bud Light pulled back way too quickly. Like, oh, we're sorry, kind of thing. Oh, they and responded? Sp- well, I don't think they responded verbally, but they certainly shut down the campaign in a way that then made the whole LGBTQIA plus community step away from them. And as a result, the number one market leader for beer, at least uh, for for on-premise sales, or maybe it was off-premise sales, one of the two, um, is no longer the leader. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a great natural consequence for how that happened. <laughs> okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. Though I heard a very funny story that uh, an event that they were supposed to be poured at, right? Bud Light was like one of the sponsors and it was going to be only their beer plus a couple right, of they other... had like exclusive sponsor rights or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they, they uh, were no longer welcome there. Uh, and instead, Negro Modelo... Is going to be poured there as the, the the key beer. This is future Lou telling past Lou. It is Modelo Especial, not Negro Modelo. Um, 
but they're still going to have Budweiser there. Like the the organizers were like, "Oh no, Budweiser's fine." That doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, I don't think they understand that Budweiser also owns Bud Light. <laughs> That's Modelo Especial, not Negro Modelo, past Lou. Also, AB InBev, which owns Bud Light and Budweiser, also owns Modelo. It's very hard to anyway. understand. The names aren't at all alike. Right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So anyway, but but you know, th- so that kind of leads into the bigger story, which is Negro Modelo is now the number one beer in the USA, either on premise or off premise. I honestly don't remember which, but that's a huge, huge, significant change, yeah, right? Yeah, that's enormous, and I'm surprised by it. So that means before all this rigmarole, Negro Modelo was kind of second in command. I guess so. I- which. I was late to that story as well. <laughs> right. You know, so here's another story that I'm guessing you don't know, which is which is that the number one exporter of beer in the world is a little place we like to call Mexico. Ah, oh, what a wonderful place. <laughs> yeah. But that, okay, that sort of makes sense to me because I thought for sure Corona would have been much higher in sales than Negro Modelo. I would have thought Coors. I would have like I would have thought a lot of things. Yeah. But, but um, clearly not. And you know, so so what's going on? Well, clearly the guys who own what's the the group that owns Negro Modelo? It's that the guys here in Chicago. Constellation. Constellation, right. No, Constellation just owns the distribution and licensing rights in the U.S. AB InBev owns them. Did you not hear me, Pasquale? <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> they've been doing the hard work of marketing. So what is their, do they have a stance value-wise that played a part in this story? Or was it just Bud Light is out, second in command gets to move up? They, do they have an they, LGBTQ stance? Nope, or a, nope. They just oh. have a stance that they want you to drink their beer. Well, that seems reasonable, considering. Well, <laughs> Which is what they're in the business of. Right, right. Right, right. But I'll say this. Like, we talk a lot about, not even we, if, if, I bring to market a new tequila and, you know, and hey, Sacred, the nonprofit that I run, has been a huge beneficiary of this. But if I bring to market a new tequila and I go and I talk to the buyers at the liquor stores, to the the buyers at the restaurants, what do they ask me, Linda? Is it delicious? No. Is it going to sell? No. What do they ask you? So what are you doing to support the communities that you're sourcing your tequila from? Oh, wow. They're really asking that? Oh, dude. Oh, totally. well, props for them. Well, yes. Yes. I think that's like, that's very 2023 of them. They're like sort of well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. It's even 2022 of them. Well, but, um, and I agree with that, but they're not asking that question of anything else. I was going to say beer, but certainly mm. not beer. And so, so, you know, like, I think, I think it's significant that Mexico has the number one selling beer in the USA, right? But I think it's also important to look at what that means to rural Mexico. Right. So, you know, I... I, Well, who... But but Negro Modelo, I mean... First of all, if they're owned by somebody so massive, giant, like Constellation, it's not even in the same ballpark, that conversation. That's all corporate. Well, what do you mean it's not in the same ballpark? There's nothing. Is there is there anything coming back to rural Mexico or helping from Constellation brands? 
Well, I'm skeptical about that. Well, I think, don't they have a tequila brand too? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, I, I, I think the, the bigger question really for me at least is what is every company doing to support the communities that the ingredients from those companies come from? Right. Like, I, I think we need to be and I, I think we need to be asking these questions of everything that we consume. But what I the, the point that I think is imperative to bring up here is we talk about, oh, the, the water shortage and the agave shortage in rural Mexico. Well, I got news for you. If you look at beer and milk, that's what's really messing up the water systems in Mexico. Mm. Right. And. Chava and I were on this trip last year, I think it was in September, with our friend Gonzalo, um, visiting the communities where they make pulque. Mm-hmm. And Hidalgo and Laxcala, right? And the issue, why are you smiling at me? Did I mispronounce those names? No, you you actually, for you, I think you did okay. okay. I'm just smiling thinking about pulque. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get it here. And so whenever I talk about it, I have to, you know, have a little moment of nostalgia. Oh, can't drink it till like we get that. back. It's a pulque smile. <laughs> so, so we were visiting these communities and these families who were making pulque. And the issue that they have is that pulque is starting to become popular again, but just enough that you've got these larger organizations moving into pulque production, which is undercutting their price, which is making it difficult for them to continue making pulque. No bueno. No bueno. And as a result, like they're looking for money and the beer companies come knocking on the door. Knock, knock, knock. That's for you, Roy. Come knocking on the door. And they say to them, hey, how about you just pull those agave out of your ground and you grow barley for us so we can make more beer? Oh, no. And by the way, we're going to need access to your water. Right. But it involves a huge influx of money. And so they're tempted to say, "Okay." Well, I don't even think it's a huge influx, but it's an influx. Yeah. And and they're tempted to. And, you know, and you start growing barley after a few years. My understanding is barley's really hard on soil. And for these communities that are used to just one, you know, this agave and the weeds and all that, like suddenly it's a whole different farming technique. Like, so what's my point? You know, the people, I think my point, Linda, is the people who- We can never be sure, Linda. You really can't. (laughs) Is that you get people who are angry about, oh, like we just did this episode and you're all, oh, additives, additives, it's the devil, (laughs) right? And I think- I think that's a distraction from real issues. Like, is, is are additives in tequila an issue compared to converting your land from agaves into barley so that you can export your water? Like, they, they had a water crisis in Nuevo León last year that was a, a direct result of, of industry in that state, but largely beer production. Yeah, that's a huge touche. I do agree with that because you got to, when you're coming from a niche perspective, right? I'm looking at the world even differently from you, though we are both agave enthusiasts. I'm looking at it through this lens of what can I use in my cocktails? What can I educate people on? 
but I'm still being educated on the agriculture end and the farming end. One of the things I share constantly is the monocarpic nature of agave. Barley, all the grain, sugar cane, it all grows back every year, right? Right. But I don't necessarily even, I couldn't wax eloquent on what it does to the soil like you're alluding to. Right. I just know, I think it's so beautiful and cool how long that agave <laughs> sits and takes in the world before you make something out of it. So I think that's a good point. To me, that opens up the point of how responsible do we need to be as consumers, as makers, as educators of the rest of that process, right? Those earlier bits of the process and how they affect the land and the people that are involved. You know, I like I think that's a that's a piece of it. And, and you know, and I don't want to I don't want to suggest. Have you seen The Good Place? I have the TV not. show. I, no, I love that TV show. I don't like. I'm, I I can't explain why it's important in this conversation without spoiling it. But if this conversation fascinates you, go watch the Good Place. Okay, noted. Yeah, and and make it through season one because you won't understand the series until the last episode of season one. But uh, you know what I will say is I think it's it's very easy for us to be judgmental and and. Um, almost uh, in, a, in a proselytizing way, mm-hmm. right? Like the people who are going up and down, banging the drum about these additives, right? Well, my takeaway from from this specific fact, right, the, about the beer, really, and and the milk, to be fair, causing such havoc on the environment in Mexico, is. Don't be super harsh about any one thing, because I guarantee you, even as I'm sitting here talking about the beer and talking about the milk and how that's affecting the agriculture and how it's affecting the water supply, there's something else that's even worse, which means once you start banging the drum about that one thing, I think you kind of lose sight of everything. This is the loose sermon, 400 decisions. Wow, thank you. I never even thought of that way, but Oh, it really is. I share that with people all the time because I do think we need the reminder. Zoom out a little bit and realize that the one thing that's getting you all juiced up, it's only one thing of the big picture. So I agree with that, but I think... I mean, we're talking at a fairly nerdy level about this barley (laughs) replacing the agave and the soil and that. I I think, and my mind is, as a former high school teacher, is always sort of pointed in the education direction. I think that very, I mean, 1% maybe of guests, for example, at my event, know anything about how the barley, the agave, the beer is happening. So I think the education piece is crucial there. People have got to know that this stuff is happening so that they can care about it. And I don't know what the solution to that is, but in my tiny little niche of the world, that's where I try to say, here, let me tell you something cool about this category. God, can I, I'm going to pull it back to the additives because you just, you, like that 1%. Right. The one percent is the maximum <laughs> right of additives that you can put in the tequila. You're right. But that one percent can have such a huge effect. Mm. And and I say that to say you're, you're like, you're not wrong. Like one, maybe one percent of the people that we talk with um, actually. And I wouldn't claim to know everything about mezcal. Right. Like, like Me neither. The more I learn, <laughs> the more I realize I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, the people who have scratched the surface. And get it. It's like maybe the 1%. But to your point, that 1% can really change the flavor of how we move forward. And so there's a there's a huge responsibility when you're part of that that group. 
Yeah, I think so, too. I think that I mean, that's why we have conversations like this. Right. When you asked, hey, come talk about some of these topics. I was like, yes, because these are the conversations we should be having. Yeah. So, OK, I think. Is that a conclusion? Give me Chavo a pulque likes us smile. To have... Give me a pulque smile. Okay. Now, <laughs> that, just, now we can conclude. I was just in Nuevo León. <laughs> I was just in Nuevo León a few weeks ago um, with my friends Adriana and Diego. And uh, we visited Jorge Torres who he doesn't use water in his fermentation. He adds pulque, eight-day-old, seven, eight-day-old pulque instead of water. Is the final product fairly funky? Oh, my God. It smells just this side of garbage in a beautiful way. Oh, lovely. I know. And, it, like, the taste, <laughs> it's like, it, 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 it's so much of these spirits, like, it's, you'll, you'll have a sip, and then the next sip tastes different, and the next, right? I love that layering. I've never experienced something that to my palate was so layered and had such an evolutionary chain to it as his spirits. They're just remarkable. That's awesome. I've never heard of anyone using pulque in place of water in addition to... Right, right, right. right. It's like a little starter. Yeah, the pulque is like a little container of fireworks because it's like (laughs) moving already so fast. It's so quick to ferment. And so I like seeing when people use it, but that's unique. I got to taste some of that. Yeah. So I'm heading back down in a couple of weeks and I I couldn't bring his samples with. They got pulled out of my luggage on the last trip. So I'm going to put them in. I know. You know how that goes for me. Uh, But I'm going to put them in glass this time and make sure I get them back. So I'll share some with you. The CL water bottle trick didn't work for you that go. Well, not that go. Oh, shucks. (laughs) Every once in a while. Every once in a while I get shot. All right. I'll cross my fingers for tasting that in the future. Okay. You'll see another pool case smile. Sounds good, Linda. We'll call this a wrap. Hasta pronto. Hasta pronto, Lou. You've been listening to Agave Road Trip, the critically acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Gring X bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. We're blessed with sound engineering by Roy Sierra and a theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Marco Ricos. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, well, I'm sure you'll let us know that too. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Agave Road Trip. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pit Bulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization using the power of education educational storytelling about food to build a more equitable, resilient food system. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network might lead you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If you drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Drive responsibly. Eat responsibly, too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive. Do not walk either. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to stretch every 30 minutes. If you stretch every 30 minutes, please stay within your defined stressing capacity. And consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you don't have a doctor, maybe Dr. Ryan Acock, the cocktail MD, can help you out. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip. Out. <laughs>